You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, Calvary Church. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Michael, and I serve as one of the pastors on staff. I'm going to preface, this is not in my notes, uh, I do not like crumble cookies. <laughs> I might get some flack for that. You can email me and uh, all that, but uh, I'm spoiled by my sister's bakery in Mount Pleasant, um, so she has had me spoiled for the last couple years. I'm not just a huge fan of crumble cookies, but we are so glad and honored that you have chose to join us this morning here at Calvary Church, whether you're here in the house in person or watching online, just want to take a moment again just to say thank you so much for joining us this morning. We know that schedules and life and things can get hectic, and you've chosen about an hour, hour and 30 minutes out of your Sunday morning to join us, and we do not take that lightly. We are so honored that you are gathered here here with us uh, this morning. Well, the month of June, we are starting a new series called Unity, Peace, and Other Impossible Goals. Over the last three years, it really seems impossible that unity and peace can kind of exist in our world with what has transpired from COVID and the political scene and all the racial issues and, and everything under the sun that really we've walked through as a, as a country and really as a world, that unity and peace seem impossible. And our hope of this message series is that we are looking at John 17 today, um, that we can actually become one. And uh, this morning, before I start my message, I always like to open up with a, a question. And my question to you this morning is this, is can the possibility of till death do us part in marriage actually work? I'm going to read that again. Is Can the possibility of till death do us part in marriage actually work? Can I have you stand to your feet as we open God's word? I will be in John chapter 17 this morning. I read out of the ESV, so that is the English standard version. Uh, if you have your version Bible app or if you are old school like me, carry a Bible. If you have a physical Bible, uh, I'll be in John 17. I'll be reading verses 20 through 23. And it says this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through the word, and that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you so much for an opportunity to gather again on a Sunday, that this is something that we don't take lightly, we don't take it for granted. God, I ask that you use my words, you use my message to penetrate hearts. And it's not because of what I say, it's not because of how I articulate or or the words that I use. God, it's because you are in every word that I say. God, I ask that people see me on this stage, or not, they don't see me on this stage, they see your son Jesus on this stage. Holy Spirit, I ask that you fill the sanctuary, that you draw attention to the one only son, Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. You guys can be seated. So back to the question, can the possibility of till death do us part in marriage actually Work. Just to share a, a story with you, it was November 22nd of 2020, and it was a day that I will never forget. It was a normal routine Sunday for me. I, I had to be here by 8 a.m. for staff prayer, 
after staff prayer, I had to get the foyer ready, had to get the TVs turned on, the, the sound system up and running. I was checking in with our incredible, incredible guest service teams as they uh, arrived that morning, whether you're on the greet team, cafe, um, connection center, and a team that we don't announce from stage, but they are incredible people who serve here every single Sunday that make things happen. I was checking in with them that morning, attended service that morning, but after service, uh, if you know anything about me or uh, my family, we attend Acapulco right across the street every Sunday morning. Uh, after service. But that morning, we actually didn't go through our routine and eat Mexican food that, that, that afternoon. That day, after service, uh, I had a surprise up my sleeve. Uh, I had a surprise for my now wife. I headed to Ohio Powell that day, one of the places that I love to be in nature, one of the places that I love to be just with God, God in my thoughts, God in my prayers, and just seeing nature, seeing beauty, being around water. That day, November 22nd, 2020, uh, is a day that changed our lives together. I'd proposed to my now wife that day. It was a Sunday after service. That day, when we got engaged, we uh, eventually set a date for our wedding of May 23rd, 2021. Now, from November 22nd to May 23rd, 2021, is 182 days. That seems like a lot. That's about half a year. It's about six months. Uh, we had to learn things about each other through the lens of marriage now, not through the lens of dating or being engaged. To me, that is a drastic shift in perspective when you think about dating somebody or engaged, and now marriage. Marriage is kind of the ultimate step in any relationship. We had to think through our perspective of marriage now. A few weeks later, we uh, approached Pastor Nick and asked him to officially officiate, say that five times fast, officially officiate, officially officiate our wedding on May 23rd, 2021. Nick was beyond excited for us. Uh, some, I think Nick says that he, you know him his entire life. Is that right? That Nick has known her, her entire life. Um, Nick has known me for the last about five or six years. He was beyond thrilled and beyond excited for us to uh, start this journey of uh, marriage. But in that meeting, Nick had one big ask. Nick asked us together to go through premarital counseling. And some of you, if, you have, if you've never walked through premarital counseling, what premarital counseling does is it, is it gives couples uh, about eight to ten categories of, uh, of insights that the, the couple will need to know pre-marriage, but also post, and more importantly, post-marriage. Um, we said yes uh, to that, of going through premarital counseling, because we wanted to create and set up a healthy, long-lasting marriage and honor our vows till death do us part. And before we actually went through premarital counseling, uh, we were given a 200-question uh, assessment to walk through separately, answer the questions. And if we would answer the questions together, it would be red flags to Nick, and he would know that we answered things together. But we had to do it separately, and he got the reports. And again, it gave us uh, insight into nine categories that we were to be made uh, aware of. And in those categories, uh, if we weren't careful, we could have used those differences, those, those categories uh, as, as weapons. But we didn't. And I think that's what makes friendships, relationships, and marriages so great, is that there are so many unique differences, but so many similar constants. 
and I got permission from my now wife, uh, I'm gonna just show some of our uh, results that I'm not gonna tell who's who, but uh, here are some of the very big differences in our relationship. Uh, so uh, assertiveness, um, one is low, one is average. Uh, self-confidence, one is low, one is average. Uh, avoidance, a little bit higher, a little bit lower, and then partner dominance. If you walk through those categories, um, assertiveness is not just somebody being domineering. That is just taking what is up here in your mind and just bringing it to the forefront so that both of you can kind of talk through it, walk through it, discuss it. Um, from that graph, I am the non-assertive one, so we are drastically different in being um, assertive. I am very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I am not assertive. Um, Amber, more so. So I keep things in. I, I keep things bottled in. Uh, I don't bring things to the, to the forefront as much as uh, my lovely wife does. Um, in, that, in that graph right there as well, um, I was the lower self-confidence. At the time, I was just going through a, a lot of transitions, job and now being engaged, working towards marriage, planning a wedding, which I didn't really do much of the planning, I just supported my wife. Um, there were things that my self-confidence kind of took hits, and I was just really low kind of in that season. Amber, my wife, not so much. Uh, our family upbringings, uh, in, in these reports, it, it talks about your, your family upbringings. They actually say in marriage, um, if you're walking through the premarital process, that your family upbringings are actually one of the biggest indicators uh, of, of how your marriage will go. Um, Amber came from a very stable family upbringing, very stable upbringing. Uh, me, not so much. That's not to say that my family was chaos or anything like that. There were just non-relational things that happened in my family when I was younger that just um, laid a foundation of what my normal was. Amber's normal was a little bit different. So right off the bat, our family upbringings were drastically different. Amber, hypothetically, would be over here, and I would be all the way over here. Just our upbringings were drastically different. And walking through premarital counseling, we've gotten to see some of these very big differences. I'm not the organized one. Any guys in here not organized? Any women not organized? Amber actually has binders to organize other binders. <laughs> That's a Parks and Rec joke. Um, she doesn't have that, but she is super organized. Uh, I am not the organized one whatsoever. My Myers-Briggs is a P, she's a J. Um, I'm a people pleaser who caters to everyone's needs, actually at the detriment of my own. Uh, Amber has the capability of saying no more often than I do. There are big differences and really big stark differences in our marriage. Some of the similarities of that is this is our personality. Um, just to be transparent from, from the stage, I am the blue, Amber's the green. Um, we are both semi-introverts. Uh, social is, is very even for us, change. Um, I am more apt to change. Uh, you can see the organized. I should really not even be on that scale. But um, uh, uh, my people pleasing, uh, very high, very, very, very high. And uh, the only thing that I do not agree with is the emotionally steady. I am the more emotionally steady one. Um, so that was maybe just the season of life. But uh, we have very big differences, but we also have very constant and big similarities. Some of them are our foundation of faith is a huge, huge constant, and it has to be. It has to be. Our relationship roles and what is expected of us is communicated well. Our family expectations are clear, so how we interact 
with our immediate family and in how we interact together as now an immediate family. We are both caring and, and empathetic people, and this is my joke of the day, we both can sing. One person got that. <laughs> Two people, there we go. Uh, inside joke, I've always wanted to be a part of the worship team. I cannot sing, I cannot sing. Um, there are a lot more similarities and differences, uh, but these are some of the big ones that we've or that have been revealed to us in our premarital stages before we got married. There are some of our strength and growth areas. Uh, our very low one is financial management at, at the time. But we are very kind of constant throughout. Um, but those are kind of some of our areas of strengths, but also growth. But uh, again, if we weren't careful, all of those differences, we've actually could have used as weapons against each other. And we didn't. You know, we, we, could have think, we could have said things like, why isn't this organized? Well, you're the organized one, I'm not. Well, this is how I was raised my entire life, so don't blame it on me. This is just my upbringing. Like, we could have used our differences as weapons, but we didn't. And if we weren't careful, we could have allowed our differences to destroy our relationship even before it began. Instead, our differences didn't deter us from our intentions, And our intentions on May 23rd of 2021 was to honor our vows till death do us part and to create and maintain a marriage that lasts. And maybe you're here today in a similar situation. Preface, maybe not in marriage yet. But maybe you're with a family member who is starting to use all of your differences as a weapon between you two. Well, I just can't with you anymore. You view things too differently. Again, they are on this side of the platform and maybe you're on that opposite side of the platform and there is just beginning to be a divide. Maybe with someone you thought was close to you, like a very, very near and dear close friend and due to the last couple years of how you or they handled things, there's a greater divide between you two. And even, it pains me to say this, even within the church, people have very strong stances on things and if you don't, line up with them, they isolate themselves from you. And these are all real and possible situations that we can or we are finding ourselves in. And our hope of this message series of unity, peace, and other impossible goals is over these next three weeks that we can find truth in Scripture to help us achieve and maintain what Jesus prayed for in John 17, that we may be one. And again, going back to John 17, verses 20 through 23, just rereading it again, says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, and they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. In John 17, we find ourselves in a moment in human history where, where Jesus is praying to his heavenly father. Some Bibles will actually label this chapter the high priestly prayer. The high priestly prayer. Just to give you some context of where we find ourselves in John 17, we're actually going to go back to John 13. So John 13, 14, 15, and 16. Uh, We're actually going to look at kind of these three chapters. Um, And all of these chapters are are Jesus's teachings or statements to his closest friends and his disciples during the Last Supper. And some of these teachings or statements that Jesus 
teaches or taught or speaks on are this, persecution. And it's not just persecution as a whole, but he's actually speaking that persecution will come because of his name. Jesus then predicted the arrival and the work of the Holy Spirit. Really key. He predicted the arrival and the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus also taught a a new commandment of what some theologians deem Christian love. He taught on that in these couple chapters. He even predicted the eventual betrayal of Judas and Peter. He makes statements such as this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I have overcome the world. There is so much theology, wisdom, eternal revelation, and insight in these three chapters, 13, 14, 15, and 16. And then we get to John 17. Jesus ends chapters 13 through 16 in what some call the farewell discourse. This is Jesus' farewell teaching, his set of teachings, messages, statements to his disciples as he's about to be betrayed. Jesus in John 17 prays to his heavenly Father in such a succinct and purposeful way. And just to give you an overview of the entire chapter of John 17, here's just a a, a flyby overview of what the, the chapter consists of. Verses one through five, Jesus opens John 17 in praying for himself. And I believe in verses one through five that Jesus opens up praying for himself to remind us that it's actually okay to start our prayers maybe sometimes with ourselves. Jesus also in those five verses prays to God that God's will be done, not his. Jesus also wants the heavenly father to glorify Jesus so in return Jesus can glorify the heavenly father. Verses six through 19, Jesus then shifts focus to his closest group of friends, his apostles, disciples, the 12. In those six to nine verses, 13 verses, Jesus commits his disciples to the Father. What that means is that Jesus would pray and ask the Father to keep his disciples. And that word keep is basically Jesus praying for that the Father would keep them in the joy of Christ and away from the evil one, away from Satan. And then lastly, Jesus prays that they would be sanctified in the truth of God's word. Jesus starts 17 in praying for himself, moves to Jesus praying for his disciples. Where we're gonna rest the rest of the morning is that verses 20 through 26 is this, that Jesus prays for all who would believe because of their words. Because of their words is speaking of his disciples. You see, in, in these verses, in this moment in human history, Jesus had the vision to pray not only for his disciples, but for everyone who would come to believe in him because of their words. Essentially, Jesus is praying for you and for me. Can we just pause for a moment? Where we find ourselves in John 17, in this part of John's gospel. John 18 begins the, the, the betrayal of Jesus and the arrest of Jesus. Jesus in, in 18 and moving forward, Jesus is then arrested and betrayed and then arrested by Judas. Jesus is then gone before Pilate, sentenced to be beaten, whipped, crucified, buried, and then resurrected. And what does Jesus do? Jesus prays for us. I think at this moment in human history, Jesus had the end in mind when he prayed this prayer. Closing out John 17, Jesus had the end in mind when he prayed this prayer. Jesus knew the next couple hours or days that he would be going to the cross, the greatest act of love the world has ever seen. And in light of that, Jesus 
prays for us, but Jesus doesn't pray for us to have more faith. Jesus doesn't pray for us to have earthly riches and wealth. Jesus doesn't pray for us to be a part of the same political party, to view, this, to view the economy the same way, to view gas prices and what is taking place the same way. Jesus didn't pray for us to have the same views on all the social issues, the racial issues. Jesus didn't even pray for us to join the same church or denomination. Jesus prayed for us to be one. And can I be honest? Just like I mentioned earlier, now a little over a year in marriage, Becoming one in marriage is extremely, extremely important, but also on the flip side, extremely, extremely difficult. God bless you. You are two drastically different people with different habits, with different routines, with different views on things, with different emotions, with how you emotionally process things, how you don't emotionally process things, what your routine looks like in the morning, what your routine looks like at night, what do you do with your finances, your bank accounts, your insurance, everything. You two are basically becoming One, different perplexities. Everything is different about you two. Pastor Nick makes a joke uh, that one of the greatest mysteries that God ever did was create man or male the way that he did and and woman the way that they did and ask them to become one. It's a very, very hard task. It's an ongoing forever process. And isn't that similar to our lives as Christians? Different views on things. Maybe different theology stances, maybe different biases towards denominations, maybe different giftings. Oh, I have the gift of preaching and teaching. I have the gift of pastoral care. I have the gift of music and singing, which I don't. I have the gift of leadership, whatever that looks like. You have different giftings. You have different abilities. You have different skill sets. You have different upbringings in church. The list can really, really go on forever. There are differences in each one of us seated here this morning. But just as marriages have purpose, we too as Christians have a purpose. And the purpose is this, to become one and to have one purpose. To become one and have one purpose. And in John 17, Jesus outlines it for us. To become one and have one purpose. That's what Jesus prayed for in John 17. That we would become one so that we can know him and make him known. And how do we do that? That's a great question. There are three practical things that I think that we can do as Christians to help us together become one. Unity, not uniformities. Not that everybody looks the same, dresses the same, talks the same, acts the same, thinks the same. No, that we would become one, even with our differences. Number one is this, that we start every day in prayer, and we start in prayer. Only the Holy Spirit can give us the strength and the wisdom we need to be reconciled with one another as we are reconciled with God. As we are reconciled to each other, we show the world that God loves them. Start your day in prayer. Start your day in prayer for people that you know that you will meet that day. Start your day in prayer that you, for the people that you maybe don't know you will meet that day. Start your day in prayer and ask God for strength. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for compassion. Ask him for grace. Ask him for eyes to see people and a heart to know people. Start your day in prayer. Number two is Love each other well. Not just love each other, but love each other well. John 13, 34 says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 
And as we start our day or our mornings in prayer, we recognize that unity begins in our local congregations. It begins here. You might see all of the division in the world, big picture division, big picture division uh, across seas or here in the United States, but it actually has to start within the local church. God's design for unity actually starts with the local church. And what can we do? Practically speaking, loving each other well, what does that mean? Start by serving one another. Start by loving the person you're sitting next to this morning. You can look to your left and your right. Start by loving them. Despite our differences and perplexities on how we view things, start by loving one another here. Add another layer to that. Practically, what does that look like? Dropping something off at their house. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's a card. Maybe it's cookies. Maybe it's something that you know that they will enjoy. Just drop it off and drive away. You don't need recognition. Just love them well. Maybe going to visit someone in the hospital if they're a shut-in or a widow or at home or they, they can't get out. Visit somebody. Maybe it's picking somebody up from work or driving them to work or maybe picking them up to come to church. Going outside of your comfort zone to love somebody well or my personal favorite is sharing a meal with somebody. Sharing a meal with somebody, I believe that you get to lower your walls, lower your defenses, lower all of the biases and your opinions around the, around the table and share food and share a meal together. I spoke a few months ago about this topic, but in essence, the gospel, some, some say that is Jesus eating good food with bad people. Share a meal with somebody and love them well. You see, these are all ways that are small in nature, but are so countercultural and important to show unity in the love of Christ to our world. So again, number one is start your day in prayer. Number two is love each other well. And the last one, I believe the most important, is we have a purpose. We have a purpose. John 17, 21 through 23 says this, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. You know what happens whenever we make the purpose our personal selfish purpose? The world doesn't know God loves other people. The world doesn't know it. The world doesn't know if our internal purpose, our selfish, selfish purpose becomes the purpose that God loves them. I want to be a person. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a husband. I want to be a leader. I want to be an individual that shows the world that God loves them. And just like in marriage, if I make my own personal selfish purpose the purpose of our marriage, not honoring till death do us part, our marriage will never last. That's our purpose as, as followers of Christ, to know God and to make him known, even in spite of all of our differences. Over these next two weeks, we're going to be walking through next week, Pastor Nick and Pastor Jason are going to be talking about meat and potatoes. What are some of the things as Christians, as followers of Jesus that we have to agree on? We have to be united in. On Father's Day, Pastor Dave is going to be talking about what the message is called oil and water, things that don't mix. 
What are the differences that maybe we don't need to be unified on? I pray that over these next two weeks that you return both weeks, that we can start to see unity in our church, that we can start to see unity in West Wallen County, we can start to see unity in Pennsylvania, in the United States, and across the world. You know, just like in marriage, marriage is extremely difficult, blending two people to one. To some, it seems impossible. Recent statistics and studies show that about 44 to 50% of marriages end in divorce. I actually believe it's possible. And I actually believe that unity is possible because Jesus prayed for it. And if you follow Jesus' prayers throughout the gospel, every prayer that Jesus prayed, whether it's to heal somebody, whether it's to heal blindness, leprosy, whatever that looks like, was answered. Our goal and our mission as, as Christians is to know God and to make him known. And we start by doing that, by being one. We're a little bit early. I'm going to take about five minutes and just pray for some things. My prayer today for all of us, myself included, are this. That we start our day in prayer. And not just starting our day in prayer, but this. That we pray for those that are different from you. You can think in your quiet time and in your prayer life, people who are different than you, people have different stances and opinions than you. Maybe there's a divide between you two. Pray for those people. Pray that God gives you grace and wisdom when having conversations with, with people that are different than you. Number two is that we love each other well. And in doing that, my prayer is that may our words be filled with grace. May our ears be open and our mouths closed. I once heard it said that God's given us two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. May our ears be open and our mouths closed. May our hearts be filled with love. May our eyes be open to those who are different. May we connect before we correct. Let me say that again. May we connect before we correct. My last prayer is this, that we know that we have a purpose. May our opinions be lowered because of love. May our courage be filled with compassion. May our boldness be filled with mercy. And may we know in our heart of hearts that Christ prayed for us to be one so that the world would know that God loves them as much as he loves his son. That's my prayer this morning. Being transparent, I'm not the best at this. I pray for this too for myself. Again, you saw by that, I'm not assertive. I don't like to ruffle feathers and, and create waves. But if we are to be one as Christ prayed, I believe we have to sit across table from people who are different, have conversations with people who are different, and listen. Listen to listen, listen, or don't listen to speak. Listen to hear the person's perspective. Listen to hear the person's heart. Listen to hear where they're coming from. Not so that you can just put your biases or your bents on top of theirs. Genuinely listen. And then maybe that divide, that bridge will become smaller. And we can, as Jesus prayed, become one. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we rest under your word. 
God, we rest under the prayer that your son prayed in John 17 as, as it's recorded. God, that we as Christians, as followers of you can become one. As difficult as it's been the last couple years, God, I believe that you've given all of us the grace and the strength to do so. God, I ask over these next days, weeks, months, years, God, that you give us opportunities to start our day in prayer and not just pray for for things of, of selfish motives. God, pray for wisdom and grace and guidance for those that are different. God, that you give us opportunities to to cross paths with people that are different than us, that view things different than us. God, that we can just rest and that we can be patient and that we can be full of mercy and full of grace towards those people. God, that we can love each other well. God, that we don't just love each other just for the sake of love, God, but we can love each other well just as you have, have loved us. God, I pray for, again, opportunities to to love each other well. God, make us uncomfortable. God, stretch us. God, give us moments that we feel awkward, but for the sake of your love and for the sake of your gospel. And lastly, God, I pray that we all know that we have a purpose. God, and I pray this morning that if if people have made their own purpose above your purpose, God, I ask that you speak to them this morning. God, that it's not our purpose above yours. God, it is your purpose only. That we know you and make you known to the world. God, give us such a burden. God, give us such a passion and a zeal to make you known to the world, myself included. God, I pray for such grace and for such wisdom for all of the people under the sound of my voice this morning, whether they're here in person or watching online. God, use us in mighty, mighty ways to maintain what your son prayed in John 17, that we may be one. God, I thank you for the opportunity to to gather this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to open your word this morning. God, I thank you so much for the, the unity that you have given us when you went to the cross. You know, when, when, when Jesus went to the cross, that's the greatest act of love this world has ever seen. But you know something remarkable happens at the cross? I'm gonna step off stage, is that everyone is on the same level. That everyone's on the same level. I'm not better than you just because I hold a title pastor. We're all on the same level. That's what the cross did, even the playing field. My prayer, my hope, as we walk through these next few weeks is that we understand that we have the capability because of the cross of being one. May God's face shine upon you. May God's blessing go before you. May he keep you. May he keep you strong and healthy. May he watch over your family. If you have kids, maybe he watch over your kids. May he give you opportunities this week to be an example, to be the beacon of hope, of love that this world so desperately needs. That is my prayer, that God can use you in mighty, mighty ways.
Would you pray with me one last time? God, again, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity again to, to gather. God, I pray that over this next week, weeks, plural, maybe month, God, that you give all of us opportunities again to start our day in prayer, to love each other well, and to know, and to know, and to know that we have a purpose, and that's your purpose. May you keep every single person under the sound of my voice. Keep them protected. Keep them healthy. God, we pray that you use them in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 